Is it Harry? Yes. Oh, what was that? What are we doing? Go on, go on, go on. It sounds like something you find in your penis. Oh, God. <laughs> Madge Weinstein, we've just taken a short break of about three and a half years, and we're back. It's Eat This Hot Show, the actual Eat This Hot Show, and we're back for Christmas. I'm joined by Reagan Fox and Wanda Wisdom. We are doing a uh, Christmas special, and I'm very excited that we were all able to get back to you. To you, I'm not saying turd because we're on YouTube and try not to swear. So what we agreed on is we're going to do some quick introductions, ladies, and then maybe uh, we're each going to have 15 minutes to to bring our own topics forth. And mm-hmm. um, uh, having said that, I would like to uh, first of all introduce my co-host, uh, Wanda Wisdom. How are you, Wanda? I'm very good, thank you. It's been a long time. Is that pussy hair? Oh, I can't say. See, I'm so. I'm sorry. I was gonna. I see your face is hairy. Not your. I didn't mean. Is, to that, say pus- is that pussy hairy? Is it hairy? I I've been using the Propecia on the wrong part of my body. You mean to put it on your vagina? Yes. But that didn't work. No. I'm just amazed. You know, I have to thought. I have to say that I thought by putting it on YouTube we'd have like a huge audience, and it's like the same minuscule audience that I have when I do my weekly podcast. But anyway, and Reagan Fox, how are you, Reagan? How have you been these past three and a half years? So good. 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 Glad so to hear. So glad. I, w- I wake up every morning and I'm I'm so glad. G L double A D. Double A D. Like double D. No, I mean like glad like that gay and lesbian oh. and stand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what it stands for. What does it stand for? Gays and lesbians against the... Uh, no. Gays and lesbian alliance against defamation. Oh, yeah. Defecation. Did you say defecation? Yes. I said defecation at the same time. Great minds. So, before we go to our topics, what should we discuss? I feel like we should have... I, I don't want to call it closure, but whatever the opposite of closure is, I feel like we should have some of <laughs> Reopening old wounds. Um, <laughs> yes. I think it would be kind of interesting to talk about how we started Eat This Hot Show in 2005 and how that's crazy to me. We're 12 years older. We're middle-aged women, except for Madge, who's morbidly old. (laughs) Old beast. Oh, I thought you were. I thought we were. I thought you meant we're all women except for Madge. You meant we're all middle aged except for Madge. Yeah, you're morbidly old, kind of like morbidly obese, but old. That was morbidly unkind of you, Reagan Fox. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, and some people don't evolve. I, I, I'm of the opinion <laughs> that there are people who have the attitude of like, this is who I am, and I'm not going to change. And then other people who are constantly evolving and working on themselves. And so it's nice to see, um, at least for me to kind of like, look back and think, God, I was so I mean, I'm still fuck a fuck up. But like, I was so much more of a fuck up when we started this show. Yeah. Well, what what else? 
Well, I mean, do you have any reflections upon the last 12 years? And I mean, I, I, I love it when I see people who I'm friends with on Facebook who are just starting a podcast or, uh, you know, it seems like everybody who does television has a podcast. And I, I look at it and I think, oh, yeah, I did that once upon a time. I know. I also like. I I always feel like I'm walking around because I work with a lot of people who do podcasts now, and I always sort of walk around like, oh, if they only knew. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel violated in some way, and um, mostly because I see so many people who have become so profoundly successful at doing it, and I feel like um, I feel like a huge loser, to be perfectly honest, a humongous loser. Why? Yeah. Because I work in a nine to five job in a beige office. After all this podcasting, all this podcast quotation mark pioneering and all this shit and working on having a show on Sirius and, and the future looked so bright for a while. So incredibly bright, especially in the 05s, 06s. And I just thought my shit was going to go places, you know? I thought we're right on top of podcasting. We're the vanguard. And then I don't know. It all just, it all just splattered into a big pile of diarrhea. I don't know what happened, but it seemed like everybody was not interested. And then everybody got interested uh, long after long after we got into it. You know what I mean? I mean, the fact that you're still doing it is amazing to me. Well, you know, I, I have to say, you know, I, I want to explain a little thing. And I, I don't want to go too far off, off the track. But since about, but I do feel like I, I feel an, an explanation to the community. Because part of what happened to me is in 2005, I signed a contract with Adam Curry of blah, blah, thus and so. Yes, the same one that nobody's heard of because they're too, because everybody was born when that whole shit started. But anyway, so I signed a contract with this company called Pod Show. And the whole, the contract basically was I would have a production company and be able to create my own sort of production company. And that's in order to sort of um, create a community of gay podcasters, which I started to do with Q Potter. I had this website that we all were involved with called Q Potter. Oh God, and the, memories. Idea, the idea was to create a community of gay podcasters, which I started to do and it was very successful. And we brought a whole bunch of people and a lot of friendships today are, are still were started from that. And, um, but what happened is the, the people that I signed the contract with Adam Curry at all, including the cannabis that they were mostly smoking, they reneged on it. So they basically just left me in the cold. They pulled, they just basically said, sorry, we ain't doing that. So then I kind of felt like I had been shafted in a way. And then, so all that, all those things that I've been promising people about, Oh, well, I'm going to build this great podcasting community and we're going to have a network and all that. It, it, I could have still done it anyway, I suppose, with my own money in a weird way, but because of the business arrangement that I had gone into by being overzealous and and uh, excited about money, to be honest, um, I felt like that kind of... Um, well, then don't you think the 2008-2009 sort of economic thing were that just sort of changed. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody who was able to hold on to a job was lucky to do it. And people sort of stopped paying attention to all that. And I feel like within the last, I don't know, maybe it's because in the play, the business that I work for, they've bought into a podcast network. And I just want to be like, let me mm-hmm. tell you a story about how that works. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in the last few years, people have finally sort of taken an interest in a way they weren't for the last few years. So do you feel like there's been any increased interest in my show? Yeah. Podcast. No, not at all. No, my show. See, see, part of this, and maybe we can talk about this later when we talk about our own topics, but part of this has to do with what I've noticed is a lot of social sens- censorship. And people don't, my, my show doesn't get retweeted. My show doesn't get any sort of social sharing because it's so wrong. Everything that goes on in my show is so wrong and against every 
social norm that is anything it's it's everything about my show is wrong and it doesn't get promoted because it's not right so it doesn't go anywhere and i don't know how else to put it more because accurate. people feel uncomfortable about sharing it or because they don't agree yeah, because, or- because it's everything in it is wrong anything that if some if anybody famous was on my show they would just be fired the next day there's you know some, some you know out of some there would be so much outrage on the talking heads you know like, i mean i think if donald trump went on yeast radio he would be fired i mean that's how i think that's how unpopular it is you know I am curious, though, like uh, maybe this is getting too deep into a topic about today, but I am curious how there are certain people who don't have to follow any rules and then everyone else has to follow all the rules. What do you mean? You know, like I think like the president of the United States, I mean, literally do anything and he has no like he just never has to pay a consequence for it. But yet, you know, left and right, people make mistakes and they have to pay (sighs) consequences for it, whether it's in the media this would probably be a good transition to the topic that really uh, prompted Madge to want to do this episode, which was uh, the Al Franken resignation. I think that would be a good uh, segue. It, I, I shouldn't say it was. It wasn't really because I think I had started to organize the show before that happened, didn't I? Oh, you did. Oh, that's so. great. No, what what I was saying before you such a. I'm not going to use the C word because we're on YouTube. <laughs> Is that Pussy Harry? And I don't want to get, I don't want to get, oh wait, good news. We got a thumbs up. We have one thumbs up. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, it, it's so embarrassing. I mean, I know the audience can be bothered to share it. I get that because you're embarrassed of your aunt Matilda, but you can't even give us a thumbs up. It's too much work to press the thumbs up. Are you afraid your boss might see you give a thumbs up for Eat This Hot Show, which itself is not all scandalous. Is it? What are we talking about? Oh, Al Franken. no no the thing is okay so we we had (laughs) wanda what is that a girl no we had we had talked about scheduling and i was waiting to hear back from wanda and then wanda posted something about al franken saying basically i love you al franken you're my senator but i think it's time for you to to call it a day you know and and go ahead and resign and i responded to that because i didn't think he should resign but as soon as i pressed post on that response i said this is the risk i said as soon as i do this wanda is going to agree she's going to send me the time she wants to do the show because this is going to get her fired up i was right as soon as i like within five minutes you responded to my email saying okay let's do this show (laughs) so that's what i think reagan meant in the way but yeah no i you know i am excited to have that conversation because i think uh, you know i don't think you and i are probably that far off this particular one felt a little personal and i like i had just gotten done reading um his book Mm -hmm. um and laughed and cried i mean it was literally it's a really good book i don't know if you had the chance to read it yet but i'm illiterate to the senate what you say i haven't but i'm illiterate Oh, well, you know, I do this thing (laughs) called audio books, so I don't actually have to read words. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, I didn't Uh, read it. I did not. But it just felt like he was going to be used as a, you know, he was going to be used by the people on the other side to constantly take the focus away from the things that actually matter. Mm -hmm. Do I think you could make a case for him to have stayed? Sure. But for me, it just felt like all there's going to be this big giant block around his neck until, you know, whenever um, for people to say, well, Al Franken didn't, you know, he touched all these ladies. And I think that particular day that I posted it, because I've been thinking about that a lot, like what made me want to say that out loud and specifically on Facebook? Because I don't always do a ton of that on Facebook, but because um, not a lot of people are going to agree with me. Um, 
But I think it was the fact that I saw a story that like the eighth person that accused him of groping them came out and it just felt like, oh my God, something needs to happen. And I get that. And and a lot has changed since you wrote that post because what what has happened is that um um what's his name? Moore. What is his name? Moore the first Roy- Roy Moore. Roy, Roy Moore lost his election. And in a way, I feel that that was vindication for your point of view. Like I see, like I see how it went down now and I get the political science behind the Franken resignation. I get it. But the, my issue though is, and, and I was kind of wrong because I, I wasn't sure it would go that way. Like to me, I was afraid like, okay, this is what's going to happen is Franken's going to resign. No, the Republicans are just going to keep raping and they're going to get busted and they're not going to quit. And then Roy Moore is going to win and nobody's going to care and democrats are going to quit and republicans are going to win and they're pedophiles but i i see that i i see myself as having been wrong about that because i do see like some some republicans have resigned since then roy Wilmore lost so i do feel there's a validation or vindication for that point of view but um my issue now is because i can't be totally wrong so my issue now is more about like what happened to due process? Like, I don't get that where that discussion is. And the fact that like, I, I read this article in the New Yorker where they're basically caught. They were saying like, this is like, you're kind of policing sex in a way. And it's kind of not too far from when you would say gay sex was wrong because like, what, it, what maybe we can, can you answer me this? Like what did Franken do? That was actually a crime. Well, if you're groping somebody and they're not consenting to it, that's wrong. But is it a crime? <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, you can't you sure? do that. And, and are you sure I it's disagree with your comparison to gay sex because gay sex, you're talking about a consensual situation. Okay. But you just said it's sex. wrong, but you just said it's wrong. And the, that would be the same words people would use to say maybe t- 20 years ago about gay sex. That is wrong. But, but it's, it's illegal. But that, talk- that, that would be an ignorant comparison for people to make. I, and we know that now, you know, we know that it was wrong for people. I mean, look, we live in an, a time where I think most people understand that if you have two adults who consent to yeah. sexual contact with one another, it's okay. Okay, That's but you're fine. already assuming right. that you know the facts. We don't know the facts because this was just rushed to judgment so quickly. How do we, I, I mean, it was such a whirlwind that I don't know what happened and what didn't. I don't know what he's admitting to and what he didn't. But to me, it sounded like he wasn't really admitting to a lot. You know, I mean, right? to me, we, we had a little bit of a conversation about this um, this notion of due process. Yeah. I think it's different when, when politics is concerned because I don't think they have to play by the same rules. And I think there's an like a weird unrealistic expectation of you know their behavior that they can pay they can be forced to leave and uh be out of the job before maybe somebody who works in an office would be because i think you're representing people and you know they feel like it's a reflection on them so i feel like the standard is higher for a a member of congress um or somebody in the government you know and and he stepped down he didn't he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. No, to be clear, I'm not talking about the legal. I'm not legal talking about the legal requirement of due process because I realize that doesn't apply here. I mean, I'm not saying legally he's entitled. I just understand what the rush is like. To me, it was just this overwhelming sea of like of rage. Of the, I see so much of this outrage. Just this to me, outrage is like a currency now. It's like like directed like, specifically at him. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I, I don't think it's directed specifically at him. I mean, we're in the midst of a movement where people yeah. are well, talking out and, and pointing the finger at powerful men yes. who are guilty of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Right. Sure. Well, there and, is both. I mean, it was directed at him, but it was also part of that humongous spray towards all those people. Yes, absolutely. But I, I just think, like, what's the rush? Like, why does it have to happen so fast? To me, there was so much emotion involved in waves and anger and like why couldn't people take a step back and say wait a second we take months to pass a tax plan well we should okay that's a bad example but like you know some things take months and months like the, the Mueller investigation we take our time why can't we take our time why does it have to be this rush to judgment get out get out get out now it's like you're see, a great I, senator I, I, he's I on TV uh, and then all if of a sudden anything, he's gone. I think it's the opposite situation mm-hmm. I believe that people who are survivors of sexual assault and sexual harassment have been silenced for such an absurdly long time. True. True. That, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, nothing. See, I, I feel like you're making it seem as if he was um, like forcibly removed from office and he wasn't, you know, it's like, woman after woman after woman came out and started saying things. And then he was like, you know what? The jig is up. I'm done. I'm out of here. And that to me well, seemed like the right thing to do. But he didn't apologize. And whether, whether it was a, an admission of some sort of culpability or just the realization that he wasn't going to be able to be very effective in this position. I think he just came to that conclusion, probably because his coworkers were telling him you need to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think it makes a difference in the minds of his constituents and and really all Americans who vote. I, I remember, um, you know, when we got Obama into office and people just kind of being fed up with Republicans not being accountable and, you know, all of these like crimes that Republicans were committing right. and they were like constantly in the news and right. and it. it the short-term effect may not be that profound and it may seem like a complete double standard, which it is like, why is it, you know, it's, um, it's theater of the absurd that we have Al Franken who is doing the right thing after doing the wrong thing uh, and and stepping down. And then we have a president who has by his own admission (laughs) done much worse than what Franken is accused of um, and and is caught like bragging about it on tape. And he comes out and tweets against Franken talking about how Franken's actions are so terrible. So I, it seems like there's not much justice in the situation now, but I do believe that come the midterm elections, come the next presidential election, that this is going to be something that people think about and and something that will help them discern between republican and democratic candidates okay okay. that's fine i i want to close this topic since i guess that was was that my topic is that how okay um i i'm willing to close that but i just want to say i just feel like i get all that i get your points i just wish it would just be a little slower because yeah it's been i understand that it's been years of all this shit decades lifetimes millennia of women being screwed over but i still think it would be nice if we could just be a little more less less passionate but one thing i wanted to add to close this is i wish that some i I just feel like there has to be some balance like don't women do anything wrong like why can't women 
be responsible for the fact that they always eat half a donut. And also, why do women always take food home at a restaurant, no matter what? Women always take... I was at an ice cream restaurant. This was in the summer. And these four women are eating their ice cream in a little dish. And there's like a puddle left. They asked for a lid. They took their puddle home. It makes no sense. My mother will ask for a to-go cup. Yes. Any place we go. And she always has to have a go cup. Well, Reagan, um, you, you told me that lesbians love free T-shirts, and and I they think do. I think it's I think that's a crime as well. Well, I agree with that, and I think that it, that it should be punishable by death, mostly uh, public execution. One less humorous thing that I, I do think it is weird, sort of to honor. I think where you're coming from, Madge. I think it is a weird place for people like us to be. Like I, I just feel like the the since the election. We have been like weirdly, everything's flip flop. Like you have evangelical Christians who used to be the arbiters of morality, right? Telling us that we were degenerates. And here we are in judgment of other people who are, and not talking about Al Franken now, but like, let's say Roy Moore, an Mm -hmm. evangelical Christian degenerate. I mean, self-ascribed evangelical Christian and it's just, I, I find this, the last year that we've been through just so topsy-turvy when you have, you know, moral degenerates like us, you know. Right. So who wants to be the oh next topic? God. I'm trying to help move things along because I don't, I didn't. Well, well actually, I do want to, before we uh, completely close it out, because yeah. when you were making the comparison to the gay community, I, it, it sparked something in me where um, like the way that gay men communicate with one another, a lot of people would consider to be sexual harassment of course and you know when you go to a bar or whatever it's not uncommon for somebody to touch your butt or and to me that's not i I don't i don't personally consider that to be sexual assault and one of the things that you originally wanted to talk about in relation to all of this was how the me too movement uh is kind of like walking this line of policing all forms of sexuality and sexual expression. So I guess it's kind of hard to say on one end that when somebody gets groped or whatever, it's like, okay, yeah, that's sexual assault. But then I look at, you know, day-to-day communication that I deal with in the gay community and I'm like, okay, it's the same sort of thing, but I don't consider that to be sexual assault when it happens to me, even though I'm not right. vocalizing. But I think you're making, you're making a very strong case for what I was trying to say, which is that this yeah. is why it's complicated. This is why it needs to, it needs some thought and some serious discussion by people like you who are in the academic world. Well, you know, may, maybe the difference is, is the context, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, um, it's different when you are at a job and somebody like Harvey Weinstein is inviting you to audition for a role and he is wearing a robe in his hotel room and wants you to massage his fat, disgusting body. I masturbate on uh, his potted fern, I know. But Reagan, it, like you said, it doesn't. you don't think it's sexual harassment if a guy touches your butt. But I bet there's a guy who does in that same bar think it's sexual harassment. I don't think it's... Yeah, and that's I don't true. Think, and I think and you have to err discussion. on the side of kind of like what... You have to be mm-hmm. thinking, okay, what if somebody doesn't want this and how would they define it and then act accordingly i don't i personally don't touch people's butts but i haven't had sex in nearly four years so i should start yeah i mean there's so many places to go on this and i could i mean it could take hours that's why i was just trying to cut it off and talk about the the problem okay well we made the point yeah kayla moore we have an attorney who is a jew (laughs) so 
I mean, so what's what's the next topic? Who? who? Hmm? What do you have, Brad? I really just wanted to talk about, because I feel like we haven't talked in forever, and so much has changed, and the things that we used to get, you know, terribly emotional about and feel very passionate about, I just, I'm, I want to know where you guys are, because I, I think since November, I've sort of been living in a, you know, I don't have the, the benefit of, of, you know, the podcasting community like we used to, where we would sound off on stuff like this on a regular basis. So I just feel like I've been carrying a lot of stuff around in my head since November. Like, what is what is my reaction going to be to the election of Donald Trump? Is my reaction going like, and then every time I have strong feelings about something, I think, is that just because I'm reacting to the, to you know, to him or to that election um, I feel like it's made me in some ways more less concerned. Like I used to be like, I think more pragmatic about politics, but I feel like the last year I've wanted to be much more ideological, but ideology is something I used to sort of, you know, not try to get too caught up in. So I don't know. I know that's a very broad topic, but I just feel like I'm curious where you guys have been, hmm. you know. Um, I'm not really clear on exactly what you're getting at. I mean, like, so like since the election of Donald Trump, how do you feel like it's changed your politics? You know, it's weird because for me, this is so weird because like I started this show as, or my, not this show, but yeast radio, because I was, I was so upset at the result of the election in 2004. It was a passionate reaction to that reelection of somebody who's so horrible. And, and during that time I was so, that was when I was strongest as a podcaster was because as opposite opposition to George Bush. So angry at him all the time i don't feel that same level of passion with trump and it's i mean he's horrible he's beyond horrible. we i mean it doesn't you don't have to say it but i don't know why it's i guess it's because everybody's saying it because now it's like back then making fun of bush was like kind of like people didn't really do it you never said george bush is stupid people didn't say that and he was a fucking idiot and that's a whole nother story like these people that say Trump is the worst president ever. I'm like, okay, but let's wait till he, you know, yep. goes into a war and kills a million people for in, for a personal vendetta. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, maybe that is part of it. But I, I just find like now it's all monetized. Like, pres- hating the president, Jimmy fucking Fallon does it. You know, it's like it's that's what you do to make money is hate the president. So there's so much of it to me is disingenuous, including a lot of what Colbert does. Like a lot of his bits are just are just so formulaic and and you know that so much of this presidential hate is is it's almost like it's almost become commoditized to the point where it loses its genuineness is that a word genuineness genuinicity I, is that a word <laughs> genuosity right whatever that is so i don't know i feel all confused and messed up and dirty i feel like i've been raped oh i would take a hot hot shower and let the blood flow down your legs that's how it always happens in the movies okay I'll, yeah I'll get I, on that. I believe with you and really with all three of us that it's probably uh maturity plays a big hand in not being as outraged by things um i, I i'll speak for myself i did a post on facebook a couple weeks ago where i said i have i'm gonna stop posting political memes and talking politics on Facebook, because that's not why I come onto Facebook. I saw that, you know, I I might do that stuff on Twitter where anybody can follow me or, you know, but on Facebook, I just want to see 
pictures of my friends and their family and stuff like that. And um, under your room, your rooms, your walls. <laughs> yeah, and post pictures in my rooms. The walls. Uh, but, uh, but part of it's fatigue. Uh, I mean, how much more absurd can we get with this precedent? But it's also knowing the limits of kind of what's mentally healthy for me and getting, you know, when I look at people on Facebook and every single post that they do is about politics and here's a meme and here's, you know, and they always post links to these websites that just by the name of the website alone, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I would be embarrassed to post a link to this website just because of what the name of the website is. Uh, Yeah. I, I, that's where I'm at. And it's not that I'm not outraged and I actually feel guilty admitting it because I'm speaking from such a place of privilege as a white man living in California, a state that's insulated from so much of the awfulness of the Trump administration um, that it it seems a little bit unfair for me to be like, you know what, I'm going to bow out of politics. Well, you know, I was thinking I was thinking about this, too, because as you were talking, because I think part of the reason I get confused with my outrage is because it's diluted. Like, I don't know where to put it because I get so mad at Trump, but then I get so mad at the reaction to Trump because people get so like, I think like Trump has is so stupid and so horrible that he's the, he's made the resistance or whatever you call it. Like as a reaction, he's made them behave terribly. And, and, and I think like, well, and it's, it's just a reaction. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's become so like, like a lot of, like the the like what what's happening in CNN? All these people making mistakes and they're reporting on Trump is really embarrassing. I mean, like they're making huge mistakes in their reporting, uh, and and um, I don't know. I, I just think it's all <laughs> it's all messed it's up. Not, and then it's there's not the- interesting to me. I mean, it, quite frankly, it's I I have to you know they say you know, pick your ba- ba- battles, learn how to pick your battles, and to me that this is definitely a battle worth fighting, but it's not a battle worth fighting in every aspect of my life and that's what social media is it's like people you know people from all different parts of your life posting about this shit and it just seems ridiculous i saw this weekend i went and saw carol burnett um Mm. live at the kodak theater which is now the dolby theater and one of the questions that people in the audience asked her was do you think that the carol burnett show would be successful today and her answer was really cool because she said we never went for politics or we weren't trying to be topical a lot of our humor was just we went for the belly laugh yeah 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 well that's that's, so like the bit you know in the dentist chair where uh Tim Conway keeps injecting parts of his body with stuff and it, you know, like, so it's like deadens his hand and then he deadens his leg, but he's the dentist. And that shit's just like, it's objectively funny. And it's in it, it it is not anchored down to any particular time. And to be honest with you, Madge, one of the reasons why I love yeast radio is because so much of the humor that you do falls in that category to me it's just stuff that to me is inherently funny like i like listening to audio recording of doo-doo it it just makes me laugh and that might not be everybody's cup of tea and so it's funny to me though that that you are really hard on yourself because you feel as if if you're not doing something topical and political then you're not being authentic or you're not providing good content and I'll just use that Carol Burnett example to counter 
that false belief you have in your head well, well you just also can't, you can't sorry. maintain that you can, there's no way i feel like you'd go insane if you try yeah. to take that on 24 hours a day the other thing is i mean to your earlier point richard you know you you Madge. can really trace a mad sorry mad this face uh, thing, i don't know so many of the things that are so blatantly obviously horrible about trump are things that were less blatantly horrible about obama frankly and even more, but still less obnoxious uh, with George W. Bush. Like, the, uh, I feel like the thing that I've sort of come to the conclusion over the last year is that um, we're not fucked because of a person. It's mm. because of the system. Yes. And just because Trump is the most obvious, yeah. you know, it, it this our problems didn't start with him. So if people make this about him when he's gone, they will have missed a huge opportunity and will still be staring a lot of the same problems in the face. That's that's an excellent point. I totally agree with that. And that is part of my frustration as well. And plus, you know, I think, I think actually Trump is a, is a, I think he's a stand-up comic, honestly. I think he's a hilarious insult comic. And I think in that way, in some bizarre way, I appreciate that aspect of him because he makes me laugh and i think like if joan rivers were alive if she hadn't died in that dentist chair getting her vocal cords filed i think we wouldn't have this problem he would have can you imagine what she would have said about melania she'd be like oh please tramp get out of here you're not gonna be in the white house get the fuck out of here get the fuck out of here melania you're you're a piece of trash get out you know i mean like (laughs) and trump himself stole her so much of his lines are from the same this the from joan rivers the way he delivers it it's joan rivers he's like conjuring her these insults they're hilarious sometimes the way he insults people i'm sorry but it makes me laugh and i'm not just it doesn't just make me laugh at him sometimes i laugh with him because i i it's funny you know and it's yeah, hard my, for my me favorite to hate bit during the should. uh debates mm-hmm. was when um uh what's the guy rand paul mm-hmm. that's the son who run uh so he you know, they were all getting on Trump, piling on Trump for making fun of their appearances and, you know, going below the belt, making fun of the wives' appearances and stuff. And Donald Trump said, you know, Rand, um, I have not once made fun of your appearance. And believe me, there's a lot of material there. That's fucking yeah. hilarious. Well, and the thing with what he said about uh about a rocket man or whatever when when the king kim jong-un or whatever his name is said like oh my god you're you're so old he's like you shouldn't do that that's not i would never talk about how fat you are i mean that's like something i would say it's just how do you not laugh at that it's funny he's entertaining i mean i'm not going to take that away from him and even the stuff that i think is like he should not say like the name calling and crooked hillary i mean look at how Debbie and all of us ran with the crooked Hillary thing. Right. It's so juvenile, yes. but it's it's, funny. it's also Pocahontas. And yeah. it, it's just, it's absurd. And it's yeah. absurd to see it in the political context yes. where everything yes. is supposed to be, you know, pretty mild mannered, especially in U.S. politics. They don't get crazy yeah. like they do in like British Parliament and scream at one another and but stuff. But this is kind of There's like decorum. that. So to see this guy yes. come in there and Destroy just it. start calling senators Pocahontas and, yes. and world leaders Rocket Man and yes. Fat. I yes. mean, it's 
it's, it's hilarious. And that's the thing, because me coming from my sort of version of humor, I relate to that a lot. And just the way he just throws, just throws away the entire system. You know, all these, you've got all these Republicans who kill people. They're racist. They're horrible, but they would never admit it. And the second he says something racist, they're just like, whoa, 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 whoa how dare you? And meanwhile, they're like, you know, just basically trying to just, they are, they're fucking taking Healthcare away from children. Well, yeah, I do feel like he sort of has, he's like pulled the curtain back uh, or like thrown out the the because there's on the surface there was all this pop you know all these um, right. what's the word I'm looking for there were all these rules that you couldn't break and there were all these things you couldn't say and you had to bow I mean you had to do all of these things in order to make people mm-hmm. feel that somehow you weren't the worst person in the world and he's basically just pulled the curtain yeah. back and said yes you are a horrible human being it's like Barbatia, it's like Barbatia <laughs> Clemens it. it's like yeah. Barbatia Clemens used to say on my show he's oh my god I got this lip sconch now that's not what he, he used to say I'm gonna peel open the pussy lips of Hollywood and let you take a <laughs> peek inside pop it I mean I don't mean to say anything oh. positive about Trump I'm just trying to explain no. why it's so but also one last thing I want to say in this part is like part of what makes it confusing for me is when I see the left you know when when we had Bush the left I felt was pretty united I mean there's different degrees but we didn't had we hadn't had I don't know I didn't feel what we like now I feel like the left is so fragmented and I still hear see people like just making fun of uh, Hillary and and the burning people making fun of Hillary, but more I see, and it's probably because of who my friends are. But more often I see Hillary supporters destroying Bernie, and like Bernie is out there trying every day trying to explain to people why this tax plan is so offensive to to America and to the economy and blah blah blah. And I and then I see people on you know other people's discussions amongst Hillary supporters saying like, oh, I'd like to shove my foot up his ass and get that old man's prostate, you know, out of there once and for, I mean, like seriously, like horrible shit people say, I like, I, I just, the perspective is wiped out. It's gone. And everybody just wants to say whatever feels really good. And it feels really good to hate someone and to hate Bernie. How can you fucking hate Bernie? He just wants to get fucking health care for everyone. And, uh, and, and, and like, for me, how do you hate that? Susan Sarandon as well. Like Susan Sarandon did a tweet after Alabama yeah. mm-hmm. saying, you know, oh, it's so great. You know, thank you. Uh, thank you to black women, which so many white people did, which to me just seems odd. Right. Um, it's like they're patting themselves on the back for patting black women on the back. That's the way I interpret it. Um, mm-hmm. But whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, a number of people of color spoke out against Susan Sarandon's tweet saying, yeah, bitch, where were you during the election when you were selling Hillary down the river? But uh, look, I, I don't agree with the stuff that Susan Sarandon said, but I don't think she is responsible for Trump being in office. And I certainly think that she has a right to voice political opinions. And yeah, I mean, Uh, I don't don't like the way she handled herself, but I do. I will say at least she's better than Taylor Swift, who won't even say anything. You know, at least she's saying something. And I disagree with the way she did. I fully disagree with it. But but she didn't at least she's not Taylor Swift and hiding in the closet because she doesn't want her her white supremacist supporters to be offended. You know what I mean? Like, I do think, though, that I feel like that part of what social media exacerbates is the obsession with individuals and celebrity. Like I'm willing to talk as I talk about it 24 um, seven for for work. But um, just the whole fact of like like being in Hillary's camp or being in Bernie's camp or you know, making it about people. It's so not about those people. Like I loved Hillary. I have, you know, loved Bill. I like, I understand the criticisms. I get all that stuff, 
but like, can we just already stop talking about Hillary? Can we stop talking about Bernie? Not like, let's talk about what they're talking about. The election's like, over. Like, why are we still talking? And the fact that Trump is going to these rallies where people are still chanting, lock her up. <laughs> I mean, it, are they? Oh, and Fox News every yeah. day is calling for like an investigation on Hillary. She's like at her house in Chappaqua reading stop, books. They, and, and on top of it, there's already been an investigation. Like what? <laughs> just, enough stop right that's when i was um first diagnosed with ocd i uh the psychiatrist that i went to said when you start obsessing over something uh and i would it would be stupid stuff for me like i would run a red light i'd be like what if there was a red light camera and you know i'd get on the internet and start doing research about when will i find out if i got that you know and i would just like be trapped in this loop this obsessive loop and he said you know whenever you find yourself doing that you have to literally clap your hands together so it makes a noise and go stop and i i want everybody to see my psychiatrist so they know that when they start getting into some type of political loop just stop it it's not it's not good it's not healthy mm-hmm. yeah i find myself yeah. trying to craft witty uh tweets like at you know 11 o'clock when i'm trying to fall asleep and i'm like what am i doing you nobody cares go to sleep like but there's like you, you just get this little bit of rage or a little bit of anger a little bit of you know urge to like get something out but i just wish my twitter like had a filter like i i love during doing politics during the week uh, probably because i'm working so i'm looking for distraction but like on the weekend i don't want to hear any of that shit i wish there was a filter that just turned off all politics on twitter and i don't know what would be left it's called magic it's called suicide it will (laughs) it will stop all of it but i want it to be temporary okay suicide is temporary too i promise i have a good feeling about this i think it's going to be a move in the right direction for you yeah yeah but i just i just want the left to stop fighting amongst each other i mean like we're here it's a huge country we're not you don't get everything you want some people are in the center some people are on the left whatever but like in the end, you know, so you have a process, you have a primaries, you go for the candidate you really want, and then if they lose, you have to go for the other one. That's just being a grown-up. I agree, I agree with that 100%. And, and to tell you the truth, I was really on the fence. I, all throughout the primary season, I was going to vote for Bernie Sanders. And in fact, he came to California because that was a battleground state for him. And um, I was eating brunch. You may remember me posting this video. We're eating brunch outside on Santa Monica Boulevard. And all of a sudden, all these like secret service people came and like swarmed the street and closed all the streets and a black van comes up and out comes bernie sanders and he's mm-hmm. like what there's a drag show going on at hamburger mary's he went to the drag show he stopped the car right in front of our table came out and shook my hand mm-hmm. I, it, and i was like wow this is so great you know um and but then i ended up voting for hillary mm-hmm. um but the thing is is that i liked in the both primary of them. you're talking about i i i, I I thought that they're, they were both outstanding uh, choices. You voted so for t- Hillary in the primary? I'm sorry, in the primary you were talking about? Yeah, I, v- okay. I voted for her in the primary. And, and, and I felt the same way when she was running against Barack Obama. I felt like either of these people... So what, what made you decide to vote for her? I'm just curious, in the primary. Huh? What made you decide to vote for her? Um, because I feel every time I've seen her speak um, on issues that she has such a nuanced understanding of how different ideas are connected. Like I remember her doing this um, 
interview on like late night with David Letterman or something. And she was talking about child obesity and she, she discussed how in our country, poor people eat all these processed foods and fast foods and, and, you know, it was just talking about it in a really nuanced way. And I like that. And I felt like with Bernie Sanders, everything came back to uh, healthcare and the economy, which is, which I think is important. I just felt like she was more well-rounded as a candidate. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just like, I'm okay with like, for me, I didn't even decide who to vote for until I was literally inside the voting booth in that primary. But like, I just don't, I, I really, I know it's over and I, I understand not wanting to process it. Where I don't understand like how people can, why people feel so passionately hating the other person when we're both Democrats. Yeah. And I don't, because I don't feel that way. Well, I, I think with Hillary, a lot of it is sexism. I mean, yeah. straight up. And I'm not saying that everybody who dislikes Hillary is sexist, but sexism is a component in, in all of this. The way that she gets treated is just, and talked about is mm-hmm. gross. Yeah, no, I felt like that was the main reason that, that she just could not bring, like if Joe Biden were, let's say, running alongside her, I mean, they're both, he's probably maybe technically more qualified, but you know, both sort of similar type politicians with similar type views. And I think he would have taken the election far and away. I mean, I think there's a little bit of like just the gross, um, you know, like the the right has been after them for so long that sort of tainted her image. And so that probably had some effect. But I think for the most part, I mean, or I think a large chunk was really just the fact that she was a woman. And there are so many people just who seemed virulently opposed to a woman being president of the United States. Yeah. It's it's remember Trump bringing the women who accused bill of sexual assault. He did that press conference right before one of the debates. And I think it was the debate where he was like just lurching or lurking around her behind her. Um, But again, it's, it, it goes to show it's so outrageous. It's so over the top. Mm-hmm. but it has an appeal to people. I feel like we're just scratching the surface of like, this just to me shows that we really should have been doing these shows all this time. And we haven't, cause I feel like we're just totally bewildered, but Reagan, did you want to switch to whatever topic you were bringing? Did you have a, yeah, I want to talk about something a little bit more abstract, but there are lots of ways that we can make it uh, concrete. And so there is a concept called futurity And one of the things that queer researchers are studying right now is queer futurity. And futurity is just like the name implies. It's kind of like, what do you see for the future? You know, where do you see yourself in the future? And for our generation of uh, gay and lesbian people, I know when I started going out to gay bars in like 1994, I never saw guys in their 30s or 40s out at bars because that was part of a generation that had been wiped away um, from AIDS. And I never, I was having a conversation with my friend Hugo and we talked about how we never saw our lives past 30. And mm-hmm. that's such an odd, <laughs> it's just such an odd thing because for heterosexual people, their idea of the future is so much more concrete than for gay and lesbian people, and especially gay and lesbian people of our generation. Um, 
And I read this really interesting article. Um, I forget the guy who wrote it. I think it was a blog where he talked about how the Golden Girls will be the model that many sexual minorities use in their aging. So rather than feeling like you have to find like this monogamous relationship that you live with one person for the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. that when you get, when gay and lesbian people get older, a number of them will, you know, buy homes together and it will be friends cohabitating. Uh, And I thought that was pretty interesting. So futurity is thinking about the future. Is that what it means? Yeah. Yeah. Just thinking about the future, like more than thinking about the future, like having an idea of what your life would look like in the future. So if you're straight, then you have it ingrained, whether you want it or not, like your future will probably end up being married with a number of kids and, you know, all of that stuff. But we've never had that roadmap. Mm. And I could see myself buying a place in Palm Springs with a bunch of friends and living the rest of my life out after I retire in that manner. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be alone but I don't think that I have to be in a relationship in order to not be alone. You know, it reminds me of this. It's an aside. I don't mean to distract too much, but I went to this lecture. So weird. And it was sort of like a comedy lecture, but it was serious. It was called everything I learned about bioethics. I learned from the golden girls. And it was an actual, like an actual professor of bioethics. It wasn't, it wasn't a joke. And she goes through all these bioethics, like, issues and how every single one of them was approached by the golden girls and how it was the perfect example because they had the golden girls has all these characters and they're all so well developed and so different from each other in different ways politically and socially and all this that it's a and that actually the golden girls did test all of these very you know academic i guess examples of uh, important bioethics issues like they dealt with like you know i can't think of examples i'm on the spot but like um I don't know. There was one where where Betty White thought she had AIDS. There was another one where one of them thought she was pregnant and about abortion. You know, they and it, it's anyway. There's literally. I always say yeah. there's like there's literally a Golden Girls episode for every life event. Like if there's anything weird, you have right? questions about, watch the episode. It's weird. There will be. I don't know. I just tell people cancer is my retirement plan, and I usually just end my futurity there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so horrible. My genes are oh. horrible. For me, I, I, growing up, because I guess I have just an assortment of abandonment issues, I always thought that, oh, I want to be in a relationship. I want to be in a relationship. And it didn't even really matter who I was in a relationship with. I just felt like that's what I needed in order to feel secure. And I don't feel that way anymore. Um, you know, you, you always make fun of me for doing kickball, but the reason why I went I into kickball was that. I, was, I, I thought, cool. oh, this is going to be a great way to meet a guy. And then mm. I made so many friends in kickball, I couldn't even think about dating because I was having so much fun, fun with my friends. So it's just been a, a, a cool little evolution um, in my life where I've realized, like, I'm I'm okay with the idea that I'm single and that I may very well be single for the rest of my life. That's okay for me. That's usually when... That's usually when people end up. (laughs) People say that, but that's just, it's such, it's to me, it's such a bullshit reaction to that. Cause that's what my mom, like I did a post about that. And my mom sent me a message where she's like, don't worry, Reagan, you are going to find somebody. I'm like, you're taking the wrong message away from what I'm trying Uh, to say. I get it, but I'm doing the same. What I'm trying to say is that I don't feel pinned down Mm. by that narrative that I have to find one person. No, I'm just saying, I I understand that, but I'm saying at the same time that, that I think you're going to have a relationship soon because of this. 
I, I know that's fucked up, but that's just how I see th- things happening. Like as soon as, whenever somebody says, "Oh, I'm so happy. I'm, f- I'm finally like I, I like being single." That's usually when like somebody like grabs them, and then they end up. You next thing you know, it they're in fucking Venice. You know, <laughs> cliche, I mean, it's selfies. cliche. That's how Jamie and I met because it was a summer. I was like really excited to be like dating and having fun and going on trips and like not being responsible. <laughs> we don't have those anymore. <laughs> um, uh, but there are actually there's a conversation about bringing them back uh, that we could have a conversation about another day. Anyway, um, but it was literally I had no intention of being in a relationship. I think I'd finally gotten to a place where I was like, why? What am I trying to look for anyway? I was doing the like you know serial dating thing, and and it, I mean again, I think things just happen when they do. But for me, that's that's exactly what happened. I fear that. Um, what I'm going through may also be my antidepressant because I, I take an SSRI, I take, um, not Selexa, was it Zoloft? Mm-hmm. And I'm just not, it's not that I'm not sexually attracted to people or that I can't get hard because mm-hmm. I'm, I masturbate. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want to brag, but I do. Um, but I'm not, I'm not driven when I go out to hook up in the same way that my friends are. And I, I remember going in and cause you have to like meet up with your psychiatrist like once a year, just so they can do a checkup on you and give you more drugs. And, uh, I asked him, I said, is this a, is this a, um, side effect of my medication? And he tried to, I felt like he was selling me a bill of goods because he was like, no, he's German. He's like, no, you, I can't do his accent. Uh, you know, this is just maturity, Reagan. It's just maturity. But I don't think it's just maturity. I think it's a little bit of the Zoloft as well. Well, Which makes me think kind of like, and that's scary to me because it's like if the um, medication is doing that, I don't want it to totally kill my impulse or my desire to go out and hook up. But I also like being and feeling stable. As Jerry Blank would say, yeah. It'll numb it. It's going to numb it. Yeah, it'll numb it. It'll num- oh, wow. I've never seen somebody do that much glint before. Yeah, I think basically it's glint. You're taking glint. No, I think, <laughs> I think it's, I think based on my experience with antidepressants, yeah, that's a valid, that's a valid thing you're questioning. So I would say. I mean, you can, you know, you can go, like, if you start to have a relationship, you can lower your dose a little bit, see what happens. Yeah, no, be. but that, that's the thing. I'm still, like, I still want to get plowed and. <laughs> Cloud weight with drinks or with anus? I think that's how uh, Shakespeare would put it. I want to get drinks or with anus. I, I would love to get raped in my mouth and pounded. Oh. And the family uh, network, YouTube. Is that pussy Harry? Is it Harry? Um, Ain't they? But right? I don't have. So it's not that I'm not um, interested in sex or I'm not horny or any of that stuff. I just don't have any of the energy to go out and like get on a, you know, an app and actually meet up with somebody to go on a date. Do you feel like, so uh, do you feel like numbed emotionally in other ways? Uh, Like, do you feel any numbed emotionally? No, no. I mean, I, I feel very leveled. Like, remember you used to say to me that, and, and you were absolutely right that I had so it was so easy for me to get my ego bruised and I really cared what other people thought and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I, I don't anymore. Mm -hmm. So I guess in that way, I do kind of feel numb to stuff, but But you're also older too. I mean, you know, you got different hormone levels. You're Aldi. Aldi. (laughs) 
fuck you, okay? Are you calling me old? You're calling me old. I love that 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 Nick Starr thought that calling me old would, like, bother me. You restrained yourself very well because there's so many comebacks that he was dying for that I'm glad you... I know, but it's... uh, He's another person kind of like Trump that I just... I. I, him denouncing the gay community. Do you know who Nick Starr is, Brad? I know you that know. name. I don't know you why know. I do, though. You know. He's this <laughs> internet gay troll, and he says these horrible things. Just, I don't want to give him too much attention. I don't want to get him started. Yeah. Really, I don't, because I don't want to engage him. I truly don't, um, because... I, ju- I look at it as kind of yeah. performance art, like all his anti-gay yeah. community. I, I just, I, well, I can't it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. love him. You know what I mean? Like, I just... And I know it's wrong, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to be married to him. You just want to. That's segue. my futurity. It's Nick Star futurity. You want a segue? Speaking of segues, is that all for your futurity topic, or are we? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what? So I guess this is what an open floor. Then is it? Is it an open floor time? I don't know how much time we have. I totally lost track, and I don't know when we started. Yeah, how long have we been doing this? Well, well, uh, well. Sure. Yeah been about 30 minutes oh, oh it looks God. like it has been it about is an interesting hour. to me we haven't done this what three years has it been two three does anyone um oh my God. does anyone in the chat room know how long we've been actually doing the show like since we started i'm not talking I about think since we've I been recorded. doing it about an an hour because the recording's been one in oh five since i started the second hangout thingy but anyway i guess it doesn't matter um uh, i wanted can i bring up no. one thing real quick that will probably hold on hold on hold on i just want to make this clear Brad, did you just burp? Yeah. Okay, because I was going like this. <laughs> so it makes it look like I'm the one who burped. Yeah, but the camera switched. <laughs> I want it on the record. That was not me. Uh, but the camera switched to Wanda. I will still call her Wanda. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Even of the though, sound. Oh, Wanda. Yeah, wa- we, we are, after all, still an audio podcast, first and foremost. Um, I want to talk about, like, okay, so I don't want to get too much in this, the net neutrality debate, but... I feel like there's a lot of hypocrisy because I've noticed on the left side of politics that a lot of people, well, everyone's in, most people are in favor of net neutrality, of course, and so am I. But I find a lot of those same people are perfectly happy with Twitter censoring and Facebook censoring. And I'd like to have your thoughts on that. I think Brad's having a stroke. He's having a stroke. (laughs) He's having a stroke. We're watching it. It's happening. Maybe the dog was knocking on the door. Did you hear what I said or no? No, you didn't, did you? I heard net neutrality. Sorry, I had to let my dog in. Okay, so the thing I was saying is, um, 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 okay, so a, a lot of, I'm talking about lefties, I'm not talking about righties, but on the left side of things, pretty much everyone's in favor of net neutrality, as am I, but at the same time, a lot of the same people are perfectly happy to have uh, Twitter censor the hell out of their users, and Facebook do lots of censorship, too. And do a lot of policing. And I was wondering what you ladies think about that. Hello? To me, whatever. Like, if it's not, Facebook doesn't have to guarantee me, Twitter doesn't have to guarantee me free speech. Like, that's not what that is. If I go into a business, I can't, just because it's a public place, I can't say whatever I want. When I go in front of my students, I can't peel back my pussy lips and show them my uvula or whatever the lady parts are called. Uh, so big deal. I, and I don't think that's a fair comparison to what, uh, I, I keep saying fair comparison tonight, but I don't think it's a fair comparison to net neutrality because net neutrality um, is about access and competition and what we allow to happen 
when we only have eight companies that own all of media to kill their competition because they're the ones that provide access to internet and to allow speeds to be like fair and the same for everybody across the board. To me, where I think that there's hypocrisy is uh, the people on the right who are against it. You know, I had that friend um, on Facebook where you saw the conversation, Scott, who was like, I was going on this big uh, rant uh, about killing that neutrality. And he's like, oh, you're just listening to what the mainstream media, you're, you know, just the mainstream media is in your head. And like, do you not understand the irony <laughs> that's unfolding in what you're saying right now? You're so against the mainstream media, but then you're saying, let's give the mainstream media even more control in how we access information. No, okay, it's but- because I'm so critical of these multimedia conglomerates that I think net neutrality is so important. Okay. But so Reagan going back to like the Twitter thing, like using Twitter as an example, like, I mean, I understand it's like a private corporation. They have, they're legally allowed to censor whoever they want, but the fact is there's only one Twitter. And if you get kicked off of Twitter, there's no other Twitter. There's no equivalent to it. And I think the frustrating thing about Twitter is that they're so, um, they pick and choose and it's all based on, you know, their political sensitivities. I mean, the fact that the president can retweet what is essentially, you know, um, racist, racist, Islamophobic, um, hate speech. They're never going to, you know, keep him from tweeting. So he, he essentially can do whatever he wants. And it's that weird, um, or not weird. It's just that sort of double standard that I think is the most frustrating thing. And and I got kicked off. I mean, I've never been. Twitter's been very good for me personally. I've never been never been kicked off of there. And God knows I sh- I could have been for all the reasons they've kicked off a lot of people, including like Rose McGowan. I mean, that was totally lame the way they kicked her off. It was bizarre. But I, I mean, but but like I've been kicked off of Facebook, and like that's and it was for posting on a private secret group a picture of a black dick, and then even Lady Bunny got also bumped off for a picture of a black dick. Like they really hate black dicks, but that's another story. I think they don't like them because they're big. But okay. But the thing is, like when I was kicked off of Facebook, it fucking wrecked me because I couldn't communicate. It was my messenger, and I had the same thing with Google many years back, and they kicked me off of Google. And it's like, yeah, I don't know that that private organization, you know. Just because it's a private company doesn't mean they get to do whatever the fuck they want. No, but it does. It does. But it also means that because they found a way to monetize our daily interactions, it means that you can organize and you can protest. And like, I think of the um, anti-drag queen policy where they weren't allowing people to sign up with their drag names. And then uh, people protested that and it, it did change the way that the company it didn't change the policy it didn't change anything they just they're still they still do it they just aren't consistent about it that that didn't change anything temporarily they did some public relations to appease a few people but the policies are still nebulous you know when i when i went to this conference in january of 2005 uh, the first vlogger con conference it was the, you know the people from youtube were there before it was youtube everybody was there you know very beginning of blogging and and they talked about all this shit and all this news technology and i remember i said my complaint was i said i know i'm my biggest fear of all this is that the geeks the the, the technology people in silicon valley are going to become the gatekeepers they're going to become the censors and i really feel like that's happened they're not they're not they're not supposed to be censors yeah, I don't understand why, what motivates them to search 
through private groups and do that like what is do i think they have bots do it i, I don't know well, what's the point though like who because they're, it's they the Ru- because they're afraid it's the russians because everybody's squawking the russians the russians the russians are afraid that the russians are in there and there's a lot of intelligence agencies that said they're the afraid russians, russians are pic- posting pictures of black people's penises <laughs> apparently they're also spending they're also getting or making tons of money you know selling to those russian um well, there was one of the there was a report I got I couldn't remember where, but where they said that some of these bots were actually in uh, GLBT masquerading as GLBT um, people, lady bunny groups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, I it's agree. Crazy, the whole thing is nuts. She's a Russian. She's a Russian spy. Would be then, Richard. What's the answer for? Do you have some sort of body that sort of polices their censoring, or is there Sen- some sort of like well, bill of rights for censoring? What's the? That's that's what I. I mean, I don't think we'll ever get to that level to, I don't know. The thing is, uh, censorship is hard because like when I think about it, I'd love to say there should be no censorship. But then I think about those Al Qaeda videos. I always come back to that with the fucking heads being chopped off, you know? And I'm like, cause so much of Al Qaeda has been spread by YouTube. And I'm like, I don't know what, I, I don't have the answer, but I feel like whatever's, I, I don't know. I guess I would lean towards no censorship at all. No. And I total, you know, and and lean towards net neutrality and i just want everything to be fair you know but then you know you have to be practical and look at what happens uh, and then everything's underground like all these fucking alt-right groups or fascist whatever you call it groups are, are spreading horrible propaganda underground right now anyway and you know they're just using alternative sites so i i don't fucking know at least when like they're on twitter you can I- fight against them you can argue you can yell at them I feel like back in in early podcasting days, we had this whole conversation about self-censorship because remember there was all this um, thing with Apple, uh, you know, explicit tags and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like at the time the feeling was people are far more willing to censor themselves, which I think is equally disturbing uh, because for fear that, you know, they shouldn't be able to say something, that notion that like, oh, I probably shouldn't say that because it's I don't know. I, I feel like we had a conversation like that a number of years ago. Yeah. Well, for me, it's turned from, uh, from personal individual censorship, self-censorship to uh, social censorship. I feel like there's the societal pressure to censor one's selves. And um, in the service of know. what though? That's, that's, what's curious. In the service of not getting yelled at on Facebook, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't fucking understand anything. So I just hide and, but to, to tie it back to something that you were saying before about like, you know, not enough people listen to my show. And um, yeah. it reminds me of that moment from Strangers with Candy where Jerry is talking to Jellyneck about how he keeps being censored. And he's like, yeah, you know, I made a, a leaf collage and they censored me too because it wasn't properly hung. And, the, and I got censored in this way. The fact of the matter is, is that there are so many different ways that you can be as vulgar as you want to be. But that doesn't always mean that there's going to be an audience that understands that or it's, a big audience. Well, you know, what's funny, too. It's so ironic about that. Using that example of, of Strangers with Candy is that whole show has been censored. Like, it's, have you ever noticed, like, when Stephen Colbert talks about his history? I mean, he had... Amy Sedaris on there. They never mentioned that show. Stephen Colbert has been on many shows. He never mentioned, nobody ever mentions Strangers with Candy everywhere, every, anywhere. It's the most, one of the most brilliant shows I've ever seen, but nobody will mention it for the same reason they won't talk about my show because it's wrong. And I mean, like even Stephen Colbert, I mean, it's just like, it's, they'll talk about that horrible show that came before that exit 54 or whatever the fuck that garbage was. But like, it's just like, 
And and the thing is, there was nothing really wrong about it. Everything was done to like make fun of racism. But because I, sh- I show strangers with candy in the classes I teach. Well, there's except for you, then except for you, it's been buried except for under Reagan Fox's classroom. So if you want to learn about uh, strangers with candy, go to Reagan Fox's classroom. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry. Yeah, I don't know. Are you going to perform again? Are you going to do any per- performance live, either of you, or what? Or performance at all? I guess. What's your stories? I've been want. I don't know. I've been wanting to do something. I just feel like all the shit that's been going on over the last year, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know why I want to do it. But I feel like there's something inside that has to get out. But you're not going to do. Are you going to go back to podcasting ever? I mean, that's I mean, I want to say yes, but then I ask. Then the the next question is always to do what to say what like. When What's, did you ever have? When was that ever an issue for you? True. Are you kidding me? That's a fair point. That's just no. Right but I, I understand what Brad's saying. That's yeah. why. That's how I feel. I just don't feel like I have. I don't feel like I have anything interesting to say. I mean, maybe I do. I don't have any confidence in much of what I say anymore in terms of it being that important or that unique of a perspective that's ridiculous so I, 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 I mean i can understand if you gave me other reasons that would say you don't want to do it which i assume you have like oh i'm done with performing insert you know insert intelligent explanation here i, I I'm, I'm surprised to hear you say that because that just sounds like just some defeatist nonsense no it's not defeatist i i you have i'm more everybody stopped. loves your show I, your show was always, you know, the, one of the first five that I would always want to listen to. How could you say you don't think people, you have anything to say that's ridiculous? You always have something to say. I just don't think that um, you have to, in order to do a podcast, you have to be, there has to be a degree of being enamored with yourself and thinking, oh, what I'm doing is interesting. And I don't necessarily feel that other people may think what I have to say is interesting. I'm just not turned on by the things I say. I think it's just kind of pedestrian bullshit that I say. And it, my perspective isn't mm-hmm. as any more unique than anybody else's. So. take a lot more work. I mean, you were very thoughtful in a way that like, you know, some of us would just turn on a mic and go. Yeah, it, there's a lot of production that went into uh, that podcast I did. And that, that was part of it. It was just, mm. and then thinking, you know, it's kind of like when you write and you sit down in front of a computer and you're like, okay, what am I going to write? What am I going to talk about? That constant need to like come up with something new. And again, it's what I like about yeast radio because I don't feel like y'all have that pressure. Part, part of the brilliance oh, of that show garbage. is you can kind of take a joke and run it into the ground. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to, not everything has to be this big intellectual diarrhea show. Yeah, but you do your live, you do your Facebook live shows often. Yeah, but that's just me talking, like literally me yeah. talking about bullshit. Like, you know, like last night I had a dream and Rose McGowan was in and she pooped on my chest. And, you know, like it's, I'm not saying anything of consequence. And I'll even stop midway through going, I'm talking about nothing. I'm going to stop. Well, that got me where I am today. <laughs> exactly. Well, it might be interesting if you were to do that and edit it or something. I know you don't oh, like no, to just put out stream of consciousness, but uh, well, okay, I get it. You don't. You're too busy. Rearranging I know, your I, house. Well, I mean, no, not really. I'm just too lazy. <laughs> now we're now we're getting somewhere. Okay. <laughs> it's like a therapy session. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You no, are. I'm asking. Uh-huh. I'm not trying to be a therapist. I just like the show, and I miss it. That's all. 
Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I just, and I feel like I've, um, and come I certainly back miss Wanda so being on the air starts too. <laughs> where like I, I'll do like a month of the show mm. and I'm doing it like every week. And then I just, I black out, um, not from, not from alcohol. I just stopped doing it. So I, I I'm kind of tired. And the thing is with a podcast audience, you have to, you have to be consistent. Right. You know, let you, me tell you something. I've, I've done a lot of road trips. This particular is going back and forth to Florida. And I play with my girl. I don't like to talk about my girlfriend of late anymore. I made, <laughs> made that mistake. My girlfriend, I would listen to all these podcasts. I play this. He's like, that's stupid. That's, I could never get him through five minutes, her five minutes of yeast radio. Just like, what is this garbage? Who are you prank for? Wait, you're calling a, a abortion. That's not funny. None of this is funny. Oh, it's, it's just so funny. mean. And, but I put on your show. She loved it. Oh, this is so funny. She loved your show. The really? only one. The only one. Yes. The only one I could get her to listen to. <laughs> because it's actually entertaining. Other po- every other podcast, you have to explain why why it's good. It's nice to have a show you don't have to explain why it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's just the pressure of like having to come up with things to say. And I, I don't have the energy to do it. I remember when I started podcasting, because you know, I was wrapping up my doctoral study at the time. So I was teaching, I was taking classes. I, I was doing so much. And there was a, um, a middle-aged woman um, in my department who was also a graduate student. And she's like, how do you have the energy to do all of this stuff? And I just remember thinking, I don't. what do you mean? I always have this energy. And not, no, I don't. Oh. At 41, I'm like, I'm totally content laying in bed with my dog and playing video games. You know what, Reagan, I've been in that place for a long time, and you know what it does? It makes you wake up 10 years later saying, what the fuck did I do wasting all that time? Yeah, possibly. How do you like that? Well, that's a good place to end. I'm going to go commit suicide <laughs> by taking all of my Zoloft. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I started performing on stage a couple times, and that's been fun for me. I just hope your live performance was really good. I loved that. Yeah, I feel like that's like when I did that. I felt like are you going to do more? I'd like to, but I have to get gigs, and I don't know how to do that. So yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, definitely. It was fun. Like I really enjoyed it. Like I actually felt vibrant in a way that I haven't felt doing this podcast for years. You know, like it was it was electrifying. You know, I started. I remember I stopped doing the the live performance because when I started podcasting, because I thought, why should I perform live when I can get a podcast? audience is like 10 times bigger yeah 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 i have to dress up and now it's like no no not anymore (laughs) yeah it's interesting how that flips huh Uh uh-huh what do you think no i i saw um coco peru we went and saw her show she was here i don't know a couple months ago Mm -hmm. and i just remember thinking like oh that's uh, like i i love that storytelling like being on stage and yeah Telling a story, singing a little song. Mm-hmm. She's so good, but her videos yeah. are so good too. Yeah. She's great. Did you see the trip to Costco where they kicked her out of Costco? Mm-hmm. Oh, so then because they kicked her out of Costco, she drove around Los Angeles and people just leave their furniture in front of their apartment buildings, like furniture that they want to get rid of. And we have a whole thing called 311 that you can dial and it, it's like yeah. bulk removal. Um, and it was i i'm I'm not doing it justice i'm just gonna shut up but definitely check it out it's hilarious all right all right all right i'll go there now it's kind of amazing that we never had you know how podcasts have live shows left and right we never had a live show yeah we did did we yeah we because we did a video one before i remember very similar to this and it may have been done on google hangouts 
But no, I mean, I, I, I mean, live show like like we go like we're oh, all in Chicago and we're on stage. Oh yeah, yeah. We never did do that, huh? Well, see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been about thirty minutes. <laughs> I, I just wanted to leave a, a brief. I tell a, a funny thing. The tie. It's going back to early wounds. But uh, I was watching, I watched, I don't know if either of you guys watched, I actually watched the FCC hearing live that where they voted on against net neutrality. You guys didn't watch that, did you? No, I was working. So there was, there was one of the commissioners who voted, who was one of the satanic votes, and he told an anecdote. He's like, we got all this, they were talking about how, you know, how all these, you know, complaints that were sent and people voting saying, you know, do it this way or that way. How, he was talking about how they ignore it. He's like, people said the most awful things. Most of them were insults. Somebody told me I looked like a potato. <laughs> and, and the whole the whole courtroom just blew up. They're all laughing hysterically. And I thought, you know. A knowing laugh. A knowing, yeah. Well, here, here's an interesting, do you know where the potato thing came from? Well, like what even put that in my head no. was I've been rewatching absolutely fabulous and I just can't stop watching it. I just love it so much. Uh, and there's an episode, I think in the first season where uh, Patsy says to Adina, she's talking about like what childbirth has done to her body. And she's like, you know, your stomach stretched out beyond recognition. And, you know, you're just this potato standing before us right now. Mm. And that always stuck with me. Well, I thought it was for, because well, never mind. He got so mad at that. Yeah. Like I think of all of the bad shit that people have said about me or to me. And I'm like, I would take a potato. I mean, like, well, what I've learned since then is potato is a very common way that like Latinos express like it's kind of like a racist thing to say about. Oh, America. really? Like you would say, yeah, like it's like a racist thing to say um, that American. You just say, oh, he's a potato. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, like for a white person. Yeah, like I or yeah, like I've heard like, like Asian, Asian queen saying it too. Like oh, you know, oh, there's that Thai queen and her potato. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, are we ready to be done then? Yeah. Well, it's been lovely and uh, very Christmassy. I see. We, I'm glad we talked about Christmas because you know it's Christmas crumb. Hallelujah! Praise and, uh, Jesus. I have no idea if or when we'll ever be back again, but here we are. Anything? Any last words, ladies? Well, thank you very much for listening and being here, and I hope we do this again real soon. Reagan? No. Thank you. No. For, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>